Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. Hey, everyone. This is Casey Stubbs. A new episode of the How to Trade It podcast is here, and I'm here with Tracy Lynn Ball, who is a trading coach and trading mentor from Real Life Trading. Thank you, Tracy, for being on the show today. Thank you, Casey. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure. Uh, Mine as well. And so, Tracy, you and I both met each other about two or three weeks ago uh, on an island, a traders event, most impactful traders. And so uh, it was quite a great opportunity to meet you there. And I'm really excited about continuing our conversation. Yeah, it was incredible. If anyone gets an opportunity to go, I would definitely recommend it. It's just something something else. So uh, I'll just go right into it. What do you think was the biggest thing coming out from going into an event like that? Uh, And, you know, your takeaway, I know you're training and teaching, but it's not every day you get to do something where you're trading in a group of people and you're doing education and you're teaching and like, that's kind of a different experience, right? Yeah. You know, that's a great point because I think the biggest takeaway for me, because to be honest, there, there were too many to actually be specific about one, excuse me, one particular um, takeaway. The biggest thing that I can say is that personal development, which I think is about 90% of what trading is about, is personal development. The 10% is only your technical analysis skills. That personal development never stops. So no matter how far you go with your personal development, there's always some other step, other target, other goal that you can continue to to reach. That was the takeaway for me as I still have a lot more room to grow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so that's, uh, that's a good one because we're going to learn to the end. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, as at this point in my life, I look back sometimes and it's like, wow, I can't believe it took me so long to learn that. Mm. It's just like, Wow kind of a slow learner sometimes. <laughs> um, so um, tell me a little bit about uh, trading history. How long have you been trading? How did you get started? What do you like to trade? Okay. Well, first of all, I, I trade shares. Uh, that's primarily. Now I do know about options, but I back trade everything. And until I can test it and back trade it, I won't trade it live. And because I live in Canada, I have a very difficult time back trading options. So I stick to shares. Now, I have been trading for probably close to six years, might be a little bit longer, give or take. And I got into it simply out of a medical emergency. So I ended up with a blood clot in my right knee that blew up my leg. And I ended up in a wheelchair for six months and on a cane for a year and a half, unable to walk. Now, I owned a construction company with my husband. And literally the day that this happened, our income cut in half. That's the reality of it. I'm laid up on a couch. I can't do anything. And now I'm looking, what kind of jobs can I do from home? 
trying to figure all that out. And then my husband says to me one day, why don't you look at the stock market? So I started educating myself on the couch, sitting there doing absolutely nothing else, but absorbing as much information as I could possibly come across. And that was the beginning of my trading journey. Wow. That's a pretty abrupt entry into trading. So, um, so once you got started, um, did you ever consider going to any other job or you just got into trading? You said, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Well, I fell in love with it immediately. It, my husband was dead on. This was exactly fit for my personality. Um, that being said, trading is not easy. It's very difficult, but it's also easy at the same time. There's a lot of stuff that you got to go through. And there's days where you want to throw in the towel and days where you're just exhilarated and think I can do this for the rest of my life. And as a new trader, those highs and lows are more predominant, more cyclical. You're going to have more of them in a very short period of time. So yes, there were moments where I was like, what else could I possibly do? And I started educating myself for other opportunities, still trying to learn how to trade. But I was very fortunate, first of all, that I still had income because my husband was still making money. It wasn't like I was on my own, unable to make a wage. Yes, our wage cut in half and we had to adjust. Um, but I stuck to it and kept on learning and I kept giving myself goals. I need to get to this stage. And if if I can at least get this far in my trading, then I'll, I'll stick with it. But if I can't, then I'm going to have to I'm going to have to pull the trigger and find something else because I can't. It's, it's like a circuit breaker, I guess. So does that make sense? Yeah, 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 it does. And uh, I'm just curious, though, you said there were some days that you wanted to throw in the towel. So what was it that kept you going uh, when you didn't want to you didn't think you could do it or you didn't know, uh, you know, how you know how it can be really difficult at times? Honestly, it was the absence of something else, I think, at that moment. My love for it kept the, the drive, kept the fire aflame, but not having something else to jump back to that safety net that could say, hey, you could make a decent wage here. That kept me pursuing it. So I wasn't able to, I didn't have a safety net. I was still trying to educate myself where I could make up that income that I had lost. Trading was the best opportunity for me to do that. And without having something else in place yet, I just kept on going. Yeah, I've heard a couple people mention the safety net thing, and I don't remember where I heard it recently, but I know I heard someone else say it. To me, that is a little crazy, um, just going all in and saying, okay, this is it. This is the, my only option. Well, you can look at it that way, but I've also heard people say that, you know, when you have a plan B, that distracts you from focusing on plan A, right? And you're going to do what it takes when plan A is all you've got. And if that right. means you've got to put in extra time for your studies, if you've got to really buckle down and focus, that's what you're going to do. And I, I think that's one of the reasons that I'm successful because I, I know that I had to get this to work. I needed it to work. Um, having that plan B, if it was there, there's a good chance that it would have distracted me and kept me from actually pursuing the trading or at least accelerating as fast as I have. So then basically what you're saying, um, your advice to the traders is that they should probably just quit their jobs, put all their money in the market and just go all in. No, not at all. 
That's not what I'm saying at all. What, I, I, I'm slightly <laughs> joking, but yeah. Yeah. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. You still need to have a plan. But, uh, you know, once you make that commitment, once you've got that commitment in place, then, then you know, keep going with it. Don't give up at the worst or at the at the slightest negativity that comes your way, right? Don't give up on it. If that's really what you want to do and, and you've done it, but you don't quit your job and then learn how to do it. You, if you have a job already, keep your job, learn how to do it. And then when you're ready to pull the trigger and take it full time, that's the next step. And you don't keep going back and forth at that point. You you give it a go. You you already proved that you can do it. Now do it. Yeah. Right. So, Yeah. yeah. And with trading, you can work a job. It takes a lot of intensity and focus depending on what kind of trading you're doing. But if you're going to trade a daily time frame, you know, you can go in at the end of the day and look at the charts and put in an order and you don't have to really be full time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And if I didn't have um, my husband, if he wasn't bringing in an income and I didn't have any other source of income, I would have had no choice but to get something immediate that could have a consistent income to pay my bills while I learned. And it would have just taken me a lot longer to get there. And there's times where I probably would have given up and not continued. So it's just a different journey. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, mine has been the same, same. I've always had uh, additional revenue coming in. That would be really challenging to just go all in right from the beginning. Probably one of the reasons why a lot of people do fail because it's just, it's a pretty steep learning curve on the front end. It, It is. And I think that they fail because they also put inappropriate expectations. If you were to say go to um, or get the decision that you want to become an electrician, so you just grab some tools and then go to work as an electrician without knowing anything, is that really an expectation that's realistic? Or if you became an apprentice, do you expect to be paid a journeyman wage when you don't know what to do? Like the expectations of what you can make really quickly are, are wrong. So when you put that expectation in there and then you don't meet those goals, you fail, you feel like a failure. And because you haven't done any of this, uh, the personal development part of it, you feel like a failure. It just beats you down. And then you run away with your tail between your legs because it's not as glorious as you thought it was going to be. Uh, that's a really good point. The expectations. I know my expectations are usually always about a thousand times higher than what the reality is. Mm. And that is like... It's amazing that the expectations, like you think that you're going to come in. When we think about trading, how advanced it is, like it's one of the most competitive fields in the world. I mean, it's where the the smartest people are with all the computer programs. It's where all the money is. And yet just some average guy who's never been in there. It's almost like thinking that uh, you're going to go in and just suit up and never playing uh, football, and you're going to go out there on the field and just start crushing it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I I deal with that with my mentor students very clearly. So I personally love backtrading. Love it, love it, love it. Practice, practice, practice. But it's practice with intention. And that's something that I practice within my life is doing everything with intention. But when you backtrade with intention, the point of it Not only is it to learn, but it's also to actually gain statistics. So I track every single trade exactly the way that I would play the particular system that I'm looking at. Entry, exit, stop, all of that, partials, you name it. 
And the whole point of that is to give me a number. It gives me my average win, my average loss. It gives me what my average R would be in a month that I could get over it. That sets my expectations correctly. Because if I'm playing a specific system and my expectation is, say, 50R a month, but my system, when you backtrade, it only yields 10R a month, what's out of whack? I'm not going to be able to pull 50R out of something that only can do 10. That's the max, right? When you say R, tell me exactly what you're referring to. Right. Okay. So a risk unit, that's the way that we... it. it so the risk unit, the R, that is the difference between your entry and your stop. And I, I talk about our R unit. That's the what we talk about in, in real life trading is an R instead of using a dollar value. And it's one of those psychological things to get around with our connection with money. So for example, if uh, an R would be the amount, max amount that you would want to risk on a trade. Okay. Is that, do you base that on an average? So let's say you take a hundred trades and your average loss is uh, $500. Is your R 500? No. So my R is usually, usually half a percent of my account. Okay. But on average, I wouldn't make it any more than 2% of your portfolio account. Uh, So, and keep it consistent. That's the thing. So if you're going to make an R, say a thousand dollars, then every trade you take, you only risk $1,000. And if your stop gets hit, that's the max that you would lose on that trade. It's not the amount of money that it costs to get into the trade, but the amount that you would lose if your stop got triggered. So that's what an R is. So no, it, it can change, but it's your intentional risk. You can change it from time to time. Yeah, I change mine every three months to six months, depending on how I've been doing over the last three months. I will it. double it every time I double my portfolio. Okay. Um, that's how you scale out. That's how you grow. That's good. Yeah. So then just so, so for me, I'm risking a thousand dollars per trade. So that means my R is $1,000. That's correct. Okay. So I risk 1000, but I almost never lose a thousand, right? Neither do I. My actual loss is usually much, much, much smaller because I have a point where I have my stop, but then I have a mental point where I'm going to get out way before that. Perfect. Yep. And that's stop management. That's trade management. Yeah. Well, the reason I'm just mentioning is because I was always thinking of ours, what my risk was. Mm. Cause, so I'll risk a thousand, but my average, so my average loss is like 400. Hello, this is Casey. And I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners, You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it.
Yeah, no, uh, you're, so your risk, your R is still $1,000. And the way that you position yourself is based on that R. Yeah, so okay. that's the way I would calculate it for sure. And, you know, I got off track because I didn't, didn't quite comprehend the R thing. And I totally forgot what you were talking about when you <laughs> mentioned R. What was the, do you remember the point you were talking about when you mentioned it? Oh, I got to remember what your question was now. Um, oh, it was back trading. So when I back oh, trade, yeah. yeah. So when I back yeah. trade, the whole point of it is to get a number and set expectations correctly. So if I have a system that I back trade and when I follow the rules and I go through every single trade following the rules, they're laid, the way they're laid out in my plan, I will have a number at the end of that that'll tell me what's my average loss, what's my average gain, uh, what can I get in a month on average, and that sets my expectations appropriately. So if I was aiming for, like I said, I, I wanted to get 50R a month, but I'm using a system that can only get 10R a month, and if we put that in dollar values with $1,000R, if you're looking to make 50,000 in a month and you your strategy can only get you 10,000 in a month are you really using appropriate expectations by using that strategy because i see that a lot of people will try that and then they either get down on themselves or they stop following their plan and start making changes to the plan because it's not yielding as much and they end up starting to lose because they're trying to squeeze blood from a stone and it it, it doesn't work that way and I teach my students, when you know what your R is, what your average numbers are, when you know that, you have a benchmark. Number one, you can now fit your portfolio into the benchmark. So if you have a strategy that you really love and it yields you an average of 10R a month, then 10R should be your target for the month. That's what your target should be. If you're looking to make $50,000 in a month, financially, that's your goal then you need to build your account size up large enough that you can use a $5,000 R. So that makes sense. Doesn't it? So 10R means 10 times your risk. That's so your right. Risk, 10 times your risk. So that's, okay. Um, interesting. Um, you could always like add on another stock or something, right? To get more R's, like trade you, you, stocks instead of five, or yeah, you, know. you can you can do that, but you would have back traded to know what things can yield and how many trades you can do and all that kind of stuff. So you would know those numbers based on that. But my point that I'm trying to make is not to not to try and fit your R into a system, but rather fit your portfolio to the system. Yeah, yeah, right. I see that. How do you um, back trade? Like, what's your process for that? Great question. So I use TradingView. And when I, they have a replay system. So you just set a date, go back to that date. And then I go by candle by candle. And I have all of my indicators on there that I want to be using. And as each candle comes in, and again, I do this with intention. So I don't just hit the play button and let it go. It may take me, I don't know, four hours to, to back trade seven candles because I will actually take the time to go, okay, what's going on here? And I'm exaggerating on the time. It wouldn't take me that long to, to do seven candles. But it, the point is it, it, it you, takes me a while. You're slow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm intentional. I'm not slow. Yeah. I'm intentional. Yeah. So I will be looking at each candle and I will be memorizing. I will be analyzing. I will be looking at what, what am I missing here? What am I seeing here? What is this doing? What isn't it doing? 
while I'm also implementing and, and knowing what my, my rules are. So the whole point is to do it with intention. And I'll take notes while I'm doing that. That gives me the opportunity later on when I'm revisiting my plan. If I want to make any changes, I have those notes, things that I thought of, things that I missed before. And by doing that, I'm really developing that trading muscle memory. And so uh, do you backtest um, each stock before applying it to a strategy or you just backtest the strategy? So that's, again, another great question. And when I backtrade, I will backtrade on one particular stock and I will use it on that stock. And if I want to use it on a different stock, then I need to go through maybe three, four, five different stocks of backtrading the same, that same stock. And if that strategy works on five different stocks, then I will basically use it universally at that point. And so then at that point, you can then just fit in more trades if your portfolio allows it allows you to do that. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons I only use a half percent of my account, because there's there's one thing to, to know what your risk is. So if you want to if you're able to risk, say, one percent of your account, that's fine. If you want to risk two percent of your account, that's fine, too, if you can handle the losses. But you may not have the buying power to get into the position to begin with, especially with a lot of the stocks right now, with them being astronomical in price, it makes it even harder to play with a higher a higher risk percentage. So if I play with a half percentage with my, my risk unit, I can get into two trades. I can get into three trades if I want to, and I'm not bumping my head into my buying power. Uh, I've just got a random question that doesn't relate to this, but I just, it popped into my head since you know, you said on the front that you're from Canada and in the U S you got to have $25,000 to trade. Is that the same as in Canada? It is not. No, we have no pattern day trade rules here in Canada. So that is kind of a good thing because now anyone can really trade. You just got to get it maybe a lower price stock. Yeah, it is. But here's the thing that that rule is in place for a reason. And, and it's really to keep people it's to give people a cushion. If you were able to save $25,000 in the United States to be able to bypass that that pattern day trade rule, most likely you know how to manage your money well enough that you can get right. into that position again, right? So, <laughs> I I, uh, I, I think that idiots out of the market, <laughs> kinda right, and and but we want more idiots in the market. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that you can't trade with a small account. I think you can, but I also think that if you have a small account. It's it's kind of nice to be able to play with that cash account and play slowly instead of jumping into a bunch of the other things that come with having that larger account, right? Yeah. And one thing is it could, if, if you're not able to day trade with in the US, it would help you because um, then it forces you to do swing trading, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. you can be have a $5,000 account and do swing trading easily. And you're not going to do something really crazy in the first few days and blow out your entire account. And you can absolutely make a living on swing trading. You do not need to day trade to make a living. You can make good money swing trading. I've got a great system that I use that it, I run a market scanner and then I look at the charts at the end of the day. So I like to take a trade at the last um, 30 minutes of the day and uh, it's like a 20 minute a day trade a day system. It works great. See, there you go. Yeah. Perfect. 
<laughs> yeah. I but I still like to do day trading too. <laughs> I, and I love it too, but if you cannot yeah. successfully swing trade, you will not successfully day trade. Yeah. The market is fractal. Right. So day trading is just at a faster pace. If you can't do the swing trading, good luck with the the day trade. It's just going to lose faster. No, I yeah. I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. So um so tell me a little bit about um, how you find uh, stocks to trade and um, you know how do you get in and out of stocks? So I am a volume profile specialist. That's what I use. I don't like to play gaps anymore. I used to. So I trade the same stocks day in, day out. And the reason I do that is because I can find a setup every single day. I don't need to go to other stocks. I look at AMD. I look at Tesla, Apple, the SPY. And the cues, and that's really the only five that I focus on. And do those? Is that because those have a good movement? Like you can get a decent size trade. They don't go sideways. They, they yeah, good. for sure. The volatility is definitely there, so that you get some range. Um, but more importantly, the liquidity is there, so I can get in and out of those trades fairly easy without having any issues. Okay, and so then, um, so your strategy is based on volume profile, and that means that you're tra trading the same stocks every day, which I think makes it kind of easy, or not easy, but it makes it easier because I get questions all the time. It's like, I need a scanner. I need to find this and that. And if you're scanning, looking for 20,000 different things, here you have like, what, five things? You know exactly what to look at every day. Absolutely. And I learned that from trading futures. That's where I started was in futures markets. And I left the futures market because I had to also handle some of the um, stock portfolio that we had. And I couldn't find a broker that would allow me to do both. So I just opted to switch over to shares instead of having to try and manage both. But trading futures, I only focused on the SPY, the ES. That's all I traded. And again, that's where I learned the volume profile. So when I moved over to shares, I was trying to do the gap trading and all that kind of stuff. And it works, but it, I found it stressful. I wanted to utilize the tools that I had learned in futures in the share market. I figured, why can't it work? Volume is volume is volume. It exists inside of all of the in instruments that we have opportunities to trade, including the real estate market. It exists. It's always there. Volume is key. There's only two leading indicators in the market, volume and price. So I just focus on becoming a master at both of those indicators rather than relying on lagging indicators like everything else. Okay, <laughs> so, so you have volume profile, you use price action. And is when you say price, is that like you're looking for pattern? Yeah, basically. So I will use, I love the hammer candle. Love the hammer candle. I think the hammer candle is awesome. In fact, the majority of... Um, bullish patterns if you combine the candles they make up a hammer on a larger time frame so it's they all come into a hammer i don't know if you knew that but a double bottom it's a hammer take the beginning of where that double bottom started where it opened take the time where it closed take in and the high and the re, low you readjust the time frames to make it look yep. like a hammer it's, it's a hammer i'm That's actually looking at a double bottom that i, I traded a double bottom today and uh, on the euro dollar, and it was a double double bottom. It was a double bottom yesterday, and then it double bottomed again today. And I went long on it. Yeah, well, that's just a hammer I on a higher time frame. <laughs> I'm going to try to adjust my time frames and find a hammer. <laughs> right now. Yeah. So there you yeah. go. And yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of patterns that are like that. But I love the hammer because it encompasses all of the 
reversal signals that you would need for a reversal to come into play. And that includes an inverse hammer as well. So going the other direction and double top, same thing, just an inverse hammer. I'll play those on the short side. But those are some of my favorite strategies. But like the real estate market, location, location, location is what matters. And that's where I utilize the volume profile. So the volume profile gives me my where is my location. Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading Podcast. I'm Louise Bedford, and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favorite podcast app, or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading, this is how traders excel. Location. Pattern. Okay. Yep. So pat. So with so with the vol- volume profile, you're looking for um, something that is maybe um, out of. Uh, I, f- I forget the term uh, for it, but it's lower interest, less interest in that area. Uh, no, I'm actually looking for high interest areas. Oh, yeah. High interest um, areas. yeah, because the high interest areas, the areas where there's lots of volume. Uh huh. Those are your support levels or your resistance levels, depending on your perspective. So those are the areas where I am looking to either get in or potentially get out because that's where price is going to do something, either slow down, stop and reverse or slow down and then continue. But something's going to happen at those areas and I'm going to pay very close attention to those support resistance areas. It's plain and simple. And that's one of the hardest things for new traders is really identifying support resistance levels, true support resistance levels. So you'll use the visual cues, which are the highs and lows and the peaks and the pivots, things like that. But that might not actually be the area where the volume is. <laughs> Have you ever been in a trade and and all of a sudden it came this close to hitting your target and then missed you by a couple pennies? Uh, every day. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, <laughs> understand. to you. Okay. We need to talk. No, understanding <laughs> order flow and understanding where those those volume nodes are, That that's how you avoid that. Because you can you can start to identify where those levels where there's a lot of activity where they're going to pick up again and you can get in front of it. I see. Okay, so then um, normal traders will use price tops and bottoms to find support and resistance, but you use volume profile. Do you also use uh, price? Because you know they say resistance is the floor, supports the ceiling. Do you also use price as well? Absolutely, I, I will absolutely do that. The thing is, is when you get price and volume converging on the same spot, so if you've got a a high and candle and a volume node all lining up in the same, it just increases the strength and the probability of success for that. And I'm just going to say this because you already know it, but the more we can pass on setups that aren't high quality, the better we're going to be, right? It's just a really good filter. You want to try to get to the point where you're going to take trades that are really super high quality. I was watching a trade today for two hours that I wanted to set up and it never set up mm. and I didn't take it. Good for you. <laughs> but I mean, that's just annoying. <laughs> it is, but you know what? You didn't lose anything on it. Right, right. right? I mean, that's the thing though, is it's just waiting for those. That's, I mean, that's critical. Absolutely. 
And yeah. you will be rewarded for that patience down the road. No, yeah, so. the uh, the other thing with the volume profile, because I know where those levels are, I know where my fail part points are very quickly. So if a level fails, I can keep my losses very small because of that. And that's one of the things that I love. So my average loss is only around the 0.3R, 0.36R. So if I risk, say, $1,000 on a trade, my average loss is only $360. At, at the beginning, I'd mentioned I like to give myself a, a little wider area. Um, how close to the area do you place your stop where you would get out? Again, great question. I have a rule of thumb, and that is two levels of support between my entry and my stop, always. Okay. And if my first level breaks, then I move my stop up just below my second level. And then if my if it breaks a second time, then I'll move it up again below that first. Okay. So I, yeah. I want to ask you a question because this is something that I've been thinking about. And so maybe you can help me. Um, if you were just to move your stop right under that um, get out area, you could increase your size. So your thousand dollar risk or whatever your R number is would be maybe uh, 500 shares instead of 200 or 125. So have you tested doing it that way instead? <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. You can absolutely do it that way. And what will end up happening is risk number one, you get wicked out of a trade that works. Okay. So you get, you get wicked out. So you don't actually get to be into that trade until. The, the so your losing field. percentage immediately goes way up. Yes. So that's number one. Number two, I hate cannot stand losing a full R. So for me, I have it in my head that my goal is to lose less than a than one R. That's yeah. my goal. So right off the bat, if I lose a full R, I know that psychologically it puts me down a rabbit hole that I don't want to be in. So yeah. I've accommodated my rules knowing who I am and how I like to trade. And I would much rather play with a wider stop and a bigger R than playing with a tighter stop and a smaller R. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, now, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Now, what I was going to say is monetarily, that could end up being the same amount. So let's say I make 1.6 R on a trade and you have a tighter stop and you make 2.4 R or 2.2 R on that trade you end up having a smaller R because you're playing with a tighter position. And even for your buying power, you need to be able to have that, that smaller R. So you make the same amount of money monetarily, even though you may double the R. Right. So and that's so the way that I look at it. At yeah. the end of the day, it might not make any difference. It might, exactly. might trade exactly the same. And you're going to pick what works for you because you don't want to lose a full R because it messes with your brain a little bit. Absolutely. And there's going to be times where I'm still in the trade and you got wicked out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And then there'll be times when I hit my, my take profit and I'll be like three R and you'll be like 1.5. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. like I said, monetarily, I just make right. my R fit whatever right. I want and right. I recognize that. So, yeah. yeah. And so then with your, your stats are pretty good. You said you're like, what point, point what? Point three, point three six R for loss. And I'm about 1.6, 1.7 for average win. And how far back does that, does, does that go? Do you re, is that like for all time or is that like the last two months? Like, no, that's been my stats for the last couple of years. How, how's your win percentage look? 
Well, my win percentage is sitting in around the 75, 76% right now, which is lower than what it was. It was at 84, 85, but the market got really volatile and I didn't adjust quick enough. So it's, it's reduced a little bit. That's phenomenal. That's absolutely so, phenomenal. Well, but done. Ag- again, it comes from taking very, very, very select trades. Right. I don't overtrade. I'm very particular about my location and I've honed in on that. So being patient and only taking the really good setups, that makes a huge difference in your win percentage. Yeah. Yeah. I hit a, I lost a full R my first trade of the date. Yeah. So did I, I took the same trade as you, <laughs> but here's yeah, the thing. I, I was annoyed because I had to, I had to fight out the whole day getting it back. And normally I wouldn't take a full R. So I'm trading a new strategy as you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I did not lose a full R because I've already made adjustments to that style. Yeah. And I lost 0.8 R, which is still stressful for me, but I I totally hear you. Yeah. You've clawed back though today. So did I, right? Yes. So congratulations. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) And neither of our trades were emotional. Like the, the trade that I took after none, I would have taken them every single day of the week. And the next trade and the next trade, none of it was revenge trading to try and get back that R that we lost this morning. I'm pretty good on that. But I, I mean, I get annoyed. Is annoyed, is that count as being emotional? I, no, well, you know what? You're going to have emotions, whether it be elation or whether it be annoying annoyance from a win or a loss. That's normal. Being emotional is letting that control or dictate your trading. And I think you can tell the difference between whether or not you're taking that trade out of revenge or whether it's a trade that you would take because you're following your plan. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. When you're, um, or if it causes you to do something that you would normally like getting revenge. So now I'm going to risk twice as much to get that back. And then Mm. that you, you just start spiraling out of control from that point. Yeah. Not good. (laughs) Not wow, good at all. Okay. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Very good. Um, well, I have uh, really enjoyed talking with you today. Uh, this has been some great insight. Good. I'm glad. Really it was good. a pleasure. I hope we get another opportunity at some point in the future to talk again. Yeah. So I just got to say that um, I think I might have told you, but just publicly, when you did your volume class when we were at the traders event, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, I'm putting together a masterclass. So at some point I will be, it'll be available for uh, anyone to take. Yeah. Yeah. I've been throwing it on my charts uh, the last couple weeks and I don't know if I'm really using it, but it, I'm looking at it. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll have to keep working on that side a little bit. Well, and my mentorship that I do at Real Life Trading focuses solely on the volume profile. Yeah, that, that's very all good. On. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So um, with that being said, uh, tell us, tell the listeners where they can find out more about you and how to get in contact with you and what you're teaching these days. Absolutely. So you can find me on my website, first of all, that'll lead you to all my social stuff, but it's Tracy Lynn Ball. Dot com, And uh, there you'll find information on the mentor groups that I offer. I also have two podcasts that I do myself. So while well, I'm co-hosting with two people, I do the Elevated Trader podcast, which I think is phenomenal and focuses very much on your mindset. And we actually go through books 
on trading mindset and health and wealth, whatever they might be. And it's like a book club, but we talk about it and go through what our takeaways and how to apply that to our trading and our life in general to elevate us to higher levels. And then the Pivot Podcast, which is run, basically, we're just focusing on new traders and trying to offer them the stuff that doesn't get taught or doesn't get discussed as far as the trading part is concerned. So we're more focused on the psychological part of trading, the difficult stuff. And uh, all of that can be found on the website. And of course, my mentor groups, which are explained in there as well. And it'll lead you to Real Life Trading, where we have a ton of free education available. Excellent. So for everyone that's listening, uh, that is tracylynball.com. We'll have a link in the description. And I recommend that everyone go check it out. Go listen to the podcast, uh, put it in your podcast player and uh, download all the episodes, listen to them in your car, Uh, whatever you need to do, just go and get it. It's great information and it's going to help you be a better trader. So I recommend that everyone check it out. Thank you, Casey. Uh, You're welcome. And thank you for being on. It was quite, uh, quite a great discussion. And uh, that's it for this episode of the How to Trade It podcast. Uh, We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one. And your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.